welcome to the Beit Tehila Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom and welcome to the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. Thanks for listening. This is episode 12 and we've got a little special thing for you today because today we're going to talk about Hanukkah. You have to say it with the sound, although you can spell it however you want, but it has to be Hanukkah. No? Yes? Very good. Very good. <laughs> Don't uh, look at me like that. Like it's I'm guttural. Crazy. It's guttural. It is. Yeah, we're a bunch of Hebrew wannabes. Listen, uh, <laughs> we're going to break this up into three parts, basically, in 30 minutes, believe it or not. We're going to look at the historical significance of Hanukkah, the prophetic significance of Hanukkah, and then, of course, uh, last but not least, the Hanukkah traditions uh, that uh, Jewish people all over the world are doing. And, of course, uh, today we're going to be very uh, abridged with absolutely, this. Absolutely. Uh, however, we d- you do have teachings that are on on our, our site. They'll be available at two DVD set. One Correct. will be the historical significance of Hanukkah. The other DVD will be the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. And by the way, that's like 120 PowerPoint slides altogether. And that's just a, a Reader's Digest condensed version. But let's, let's look at this uh, historical account of, of Hanukkah. Once again, Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for <clears throat> dedication. It's an actual word. Hanukkah is an actual Hebrew word uh, that means dedication. And the, uh, the story of Hanukkah took place around uh, 175 to 163 B.C. Of course, we're at in the land of beautiful Israel, in the land of Israel. What about the story, the story of Hanukkah? It's, it's a, a small army of devout Jews known as the Maccabees rebelled against their Greek Syrian rulers, eventually overcoming them. The holiday commemorates the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem after it was defiled. So keep that little paragraph in mind there. The holiday commemorates the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem after it was defiled. Now, legend says there was only enough pure oil to light the menorah for one night, but through a miracle, the menorah burned for eight days. Since that time, Jews have been celebrating Hanukkah by burning lights for eight nights, which is, of course, eight days. So eight nights of Hanukkah uh, equals eight days. And uh, once again, this is the, the legend or the folklore or the tradition. But I want to remind everyone that even if you took out uh, the, the legend or the miracle of one flask of oil lasting for, for eight nights or eight days, I want to encourage all of you that you still have a story. Oh, and let me reiterate this. Uh, the story of Hanukkah should be taught by to everyone. I mean, everyone should understand uh, the story of Hanukkah. And of course, as far as, far as the sources go, uh, you can find the historical account of Hanukkah in Daniel eleven twenty one through 35 uh, and in the book of Maccabees 1 and 2. Once again, the, found in the Apocrypha, uh, the book of Maccabees uh, 1 and 2. Uh, Josephus, the Jewish historian, also gives an account of the Hanukkah story. Now, in the book of Daniel, it's actually written prior to the events actually occurring. Absolutely. It's, it's prophecy it's prior prophecy. to it. Wow. Absolutely. absolutely. So, so Hanukkah is celebrated for eight nights, and it be, of course it began uh, on the 25th day in the Hebrew month of Kislev. So if you look at these eight nights, it's going to be from December the 12th, 
uh, to the 19th of 2017. So we're we're approaching tonight, uh, of course, uh, day two or night two of, of Hanukkah, and uh, we're going to be meeting and celebrating. But uh, uh, once again, the, the historical events before Hanukkah, what took place here? <clears throat> well, after Alexander's death, Greece was divided among four of his generals in Daniel 8.8. 8. And this took place around uh, 323 B.C. Once again, uh, Alexander the Great, who represents the Grecian Empire before the Roman Empire, uh, his his uh, domain was, uh, of course, divided up among, among his four generals. And uh, there's a good question. You know, why did Israel have to suffer after Alexander's death? Why did Israel have to suffer after Israel? Well, it's geographical, death? right? I mean, they're kind of Absolutely. stuck it's there like in the between. north versus the south. You're going to see yeah. Syria, of course, versus Egypt. So the country of Israel is located between the country of Syria to the north and Egypt to the south. The kings of the north and south were constantly fighting one another, and Israel was always a victim of these wars. Kind of interesting, even today, uh, Israel is surrounded by enemies. They're the only democracy uh, in the Middle East. And so as we get through this story, we know that there is an evil leader in the Hanukkah story. His name was Antiochus IV Epiphanes. He was a tyrant, cruel, harsh, and savage. He believed that he was deity in the flesh. And this is where you get the word Epiphanes, a god in the flesh. So in 171 BC, he came to the Seleucid throne in Syria. Now, of course, you can read about Antiochus Epiphanes and his dealings with Israel in Daniel 11:21 through 35, and you can also uh, see it in Daniel 8, verses 9 through 12. So Antiochus was able to take the throne with a limited amount of people uh, because there was a division among the people. Notice that there was division among the people. There's a, there's a big transition happening here between the Grecian Empire and the Roman Empire. There's these four generals. So the, the whole territory is divided up. And what's happening is you're, you're seeing some interesting things. Now, now, was it political? I mean, was it like an ideological split? Well, there's or? a lot of interesting parts to this. I mean, I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of interesting parts. But amongst the Jews of the day, right? They were. You had the Hellenistic Jews, and you had the more oh, Orthodox traditional Jews. Okay. You know, this, this yeah, well, is, don't let me get ahead of you. Oh no, because here's the thing. Though, this is what's so fascinating. There was a Roman Republic from 509 BC to 27 BC. Interesting. So okay. if you look at that time frame, uh, you're going to see that there was a Roman Republic. And so but, Rome and Greece were were fighting each other. Well, actually. Actually, no, the Grecian Empire was actually uh, going to be taken over by the Roman Empire. Okay, got uh, it. But Augustus was the first uh, emperor from Rome uh, from 27 BC to 1480. So when this story takes place, there is actually a, 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 a Roman Senate. But so what was uh, Antiochus's desire? What was his desire? He was anxious to unite his kingdom of many languages, cultures, and religions. What does that sound like today? Coexist and all these other things, you know. And so, once again, uh, he desired to Hellenize or impose Greek language, thought, and religion upon his subjects in an effort to unify his rule through assimilation. Amen. And so, as we, uh, of course, share and experience and, and live out the Hebrews of the Christian faith, that definitely sets us apart uh, from the world. But there were two factions in Israel, Ryan, two factions. One was religious. Uh, they desired rule by the Ptolemies in Egypt since that dynasty did not seek to Hellenize its subjects. Mm. 
Now they honored the covenant of Yahweh and were committed to preserving the pure worship of the God of Israel. Uh, continuing on, of course, with re religious, but uh, that's, that's the religious. Now the secular, what does secular mean? It means not religious, not connected with the church. So really the word secular in and of itself isn't bad. The connotation is just it's not religious. Right. It's not connected with the church, Webster's Dictionary. Now the progressive Hellenist party, they included many of the aristocracy who had little concern for the faith of their fathers. Yeah. They saw only the economic and social advantages of appearing enlightened, civilized, and accepted by the advanced nations throughout the world which embraced Hellenism. So basically you've got the two political ideologies, the the new progressive, uh, let's be civilized among the world, you know, better economics, X, Y, Z, and then you have the the old religious fuddy-duddies right. so, sticking so, the mud. Yeah, but right? so here's the thing in, in regard to the secular or the Hellenized Jews, uh, they desired Syrian rule along with its imposed Greek culture. Yeah. So the Hellenists, th this group willingly forsook, and the Greek word means to apostatize or abandon Yikes. the Holy Covenant. Yeah, that's not good. And that's actually found in 1 Maccabees 1.15. So, so as you put the story together, and even use the book of Maccabees as a reference, as long as it doesn't contradict, you can actually use it uh, to tell the story. And it's, it's quite fascinating how today the Father's writing Torah on minds and hearts, the Torah, the Mosaic Covenant on our minds and hearts all over the world, and now there's this great resistance. There's this great resistance. So, so Hellenism was far more than just Greek philosophy and ordered society. It was built around Greek religion. A deified nature, created a pantheon of mythological gods, promoted widespread immorality in the worship of those gods. Now, Ryan, this is where it gets very, very interesting because history is literally repeating itself today. Yeah, we're fighting this battle today. Think about this. Think about a civil war. So traditionally, as expressed in the first and second book of Maccabees, the Maccabean revolt was painted as a national resistance to a foreign political and cultural oppression. In modern times, however, scholars have argued that the king was instead intervening in a civil war between the traditional Jews in the country and the Hellenized Jews in Jerusalem, according to Joseph P. Schultz. Modern scholarship, on the other hand, considers the Maccabean Revolt less as an uprising against foreign oppression than as a civil war between the Orthodox and Reformist parties in the Jewish camp. So think about this, Ryan. Civil war between the traditional Jews in the country and the Hellenized Jews in Jerusalem. So what Antiochus did, he came in and he sided with the Hellenized Jews. Right. And that was is that exactly is what he did. And so just to cut to the chase and even look today at civil war in every aspect of, of, of our culture of life, whether it's in sports and football players kneeling versus standing, uh, whether it's among the Republican Party uh, that's in a civil war because of the President Trump, or even now with uh, with the Democrats and their, and their party and, and everything that's happening with the uh, uh, sexual immorality and, uh, you know, the, uh, this, uh, the allegations of, you know, uh, just, just the bad things that, that are coming out now uh, has actually helped to promote and cause civil war as well. So, so the bottom line is that, Ryan, we're moving towards Daniel eleven thirty one. This is a historical verse that took place. It says, An arm shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. So Antiochus, of course, is what is he going to do? He's going to put up 
He's going to put up this image. So the abomination of desolation refers to a statue of the Greek god Zeus that was placed in the temple by Antiochus, Antiochus IV Epiphanes. He put this on the Temple Mount. So I wanted to share this because this is something that we all need to understand uh, in this regard. In, in hindsight, we can now look. But but Antiochus, you know, he did this. And, uh, and he prohibited the following things. Now, this is very interesting. Who entered Antiochus's heart but Satan himself? He, he prohibited the following things. He prohibited clean sacrifices on the altar, honoring the Sabbath, keeping the feasts, circumcision of all the males, and the Torah. He prohibited all these things. And this is what makes up the Hebrews of the Christian faith. Yes, he basically prohibited being Jewish. Absolutely. He prohibited this. Clean sacrifices on the altar, uh, honoring the Sabbath, keeping the feasts, circumcision of all the males, and of course the Torah. I find this fascinating only because those that are practicing the Hebrews of the Christian faith... And, 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 and are born again, spirit-filled, have Torah, I'm telling you, we're, we're doing these things. Yeah. So to me, it's just showing me what's happening. Because he, he, of course, he, he encouraged the following things. He, he, and Antiochus encouraged idolatry. Huh. Think about it. You know opinions are idols? Oh, absolutely. You know uh, idolatry is whatever you give your strength to or whatever you get your strength from. So we are, we are to have no idols. Uh, he, of course, uh, he encouraged the sacrificing of unclean animals, mm. the, the pig on the altar. What's that all about? You know, and then, of course, assimilation really encouraged that. Oh, you know, do the status quo, you know. Well, I don't I don't see anybody that, that's great in the Bible that's following the status quo. So once again, you know. Yeah, it's true. Um, Nobody remembers those people. He, uh, he, he prohibited all these things and he did all these things. So I find it fascinating that I believe the stage is being set in, in that regard. And so once again, uh, it even says in Daniel... 11, 32, and 33, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. So if you're against the Mosaic covenant, if you're against the Torah, you know, uh, you're going to be popular. You're going to be flattered. You know, there's going to be flattery. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many that they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity, and by spoil many days. So this is, of course, against the covenant uh, of the Mosaic covenant. So is it safe to say that, that within the Hebrew of the Christian faith that we're fighting the Hanukkah fight day in and day out? Now, oh, I think so. You I mean, know, between I mean, the Hellenization of of yeah. of you know Greek thinking, right. modernization, liberal, um, or I should say liberalism, because you know we were, we were I would consider us liberal to an extent, right? It's really you know how how clean can we be in the world in which we live? You know, it's it's really a question of avoiding contamination at all costs for our own sake, right? To to work out our own salvation and to save our own souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions. So. It's really a choice, Ryan. And so I believe that everyone has a free choice to worship God the way they so choose, uh, freedom of religion. Uh, everyone has a free will. And so we're not here to try to convert or recruit or do any of these things. We just want to live it out uh, as the Father sees. Now, there are heroes in the story of Hanukkah. Yes, there are. So Mattathias was the great-grandson of Hasmon, a descendant of Jehoreb of the first division of priests. So now we're going to see these priests are going to rise up, Mattathias. So, and... Uh, John, Simon, Judah, Eliezer, and Jonathan were the five sons of Mattathias. So he had the five sons. And so from those children, from those sons, we have Judah the Maccabee. Now, Judah was the third son who took over when Mattathias, his father, died. Okay? Mm. Uh, Judah was called the Maccabee, believed to be from the Hebrew word machavet, meaning hammer. 
Hmm. So we know in the culture today, it's hammer time. Oh, yeah. Hanukkah oh. is hammer time. Oh, yeah. Can't touch and this. so the hammer is going to be brought down. The Hebrew hammer. So I love the story of Hanukkah. It's just, it would be so great if they could actually make a movie. Uh, rumor has it that uh, even Mel Gibson was supposed to direct uh, a story about the Maccabees. Wouldn't that be uh, something? And from Hollywood or whatever. It would be interesting to see how that would play out. But we'll have to research that a little more. But that would be kind of cool. But, but this is where we get to really the, the crux of the matter is the rededication of the temple. This was the remove the removal of the Zeus idol with the face of Antiochus. Uh, they cleaned up the sanctuary, and they rebuilt the holy altar. And on Kislev 25, 165 BC, exactly three years to the day from its defilement, they rededicated the altar to the Lord. So they restored the true worship of the God of Israel. And let me just throw this out there as well. Uh, and I don't have the exact date, but if you look in the book of Haggai, mm. they actually laid the foundation for the temple on the 24th of Kislev. The day before. Right. So yeah. this is before, uh, you know, they, they, they rebuilt the temple. So, so that's, to me, quite fascinating that they would do that uh, in, in the book of Haggai. That's cool. Now, now we, we must be reminded as we look at the historical significance of Hanukkah, we can't forget that uh, Yeshua celebrated, of course, he celebrated Hanukkah. And I would like to read, uh, if I can, uh, I'm just going to read uh, John 10, 22. And I believe 23, John 10, 22 and 23. Oh man, those pages what, are What burning. would Yeshua do? Let's see. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Okay. So Wait. once again, it's John 10, 22 through 42. This is Yeshua's deity and Hanukkah. Wow. So we know that Antiochus claimed to be God in the flesh. So he, he proclaims deity. deity at the temple Absolutely. during the Feast of Hanukkah. How many of you know listening, Jesus is God? Come on, somebody. Yeah. Huh. God is Jesus. Jesus is God. We believe in the deity of Jesus, okay? Amen. So he goes into this big discourse among the Jewish people, and uh, he makes this statement in John 10, 30. This is just a few verses to get through the story. Jesus says, Yeshua our Messiah. I and my father are one. Echad. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know what? Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Right? Yeah. And uh, they were just saying, this is blasphemy to them. Yeah. But he makes it very clear at the time of Hanukkah. He sets the record straight. Yeah. And, and obviously for our listeners, you know, the Shema, you know, um, Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohim Adonai Echad, our God is one, right, is the, is the last sentence of Absolutely. That. It's the Godhead. Right. So it, it's it's him proclaiming that he is part of that God is one in the Shema. Oh, I think it's important in the times in which we live. You know, there's a lot of recognition for Jesus, Ryan, but we must remember that Jesus is God. Yeshua is Yahweh. And uh, it's so important that we understand that, that, that God took on flesh, died on the cross for our sins uh, in order to, to redeem us. And so as we begin to see this story even unfolding right here, it even says in John 10, 42, uh, in regard to Yeshua's deity and what he was proclaiming, and many believed on him there. Amen. At the temple. So, so once again, it's everyone awesome. listening to this podcast, we we have to be relational, not informational. 
Well, talk about the we ultimate rededication of the temple, right? It's a Hanukkah. He's there claiming deity in the he, God Absolutely. himself in the flesh is says, at no, the temple. He says, I, my father are one. And he makes it very, very clear. And so, you know, we have a little bit of time left now to do this second part here, which is the prophetic uh, significance of Hanukkah. And, and, and let's just look at it. So prophecy uh, is the foretelling of history in advance. History is prophecy that has been fulfilled. You could take the uh, template for Hanukkah back in 165 BC, Ryan. You could take this template of Antiochus. You can literally take it and put it over the future, the prophecy. So the Hanukkah story that took place nearly 200 years before Yeshua's birth is going to take place again, okay? Now, I looked at some of these numbers in regard to uh, the state of Israel and, and, and what's going on over there. And, and we talked about civil war. Well, uh, religious Jews versus secular Jews, uh, we, can, we can look at the demographics here. As far as secular, it's 41.4% uh, secular Jews in Israel, 41.4%. Uh, traditional, uh, traditional Jews uh, is 38.5%. Huh. Now, Orthodox is 19.9%. So it's over half. I mean, so it's basically, you know, you have more secular uh, than you do religious. And it's just like even the world today, you know? So I was going to say, so we have the whole world is this battle between the secular and, and those that have faith in the God of Israel. And then right. within Israel itself is a microcosm of what's happening in the world. Right. The now, secular versus now, see, the religious. Now, see, we don't even have time to go into it, Ryan. We just don't. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this because I think it's, we so, say that more than anything. it's so exciting. We never have time. Because, you know, a Bible in the hand is worth more than 10 on the shelf. Oh, amen. So if, if as, in hindsight, as we look at this story, the abomination of desolation in Daniel eleven thirty one about Antiochus, it says, an arm shall stand on his part and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Now here's this abomination. You know what this word means in the Hebrew? It means disgusting, filthy, or detestable thing. Mm. And I want to remind all the listeners, the dome of the rock on the temple mount is not the abomination of desolation. We got to let scripture interpret scripture. So if we jump ahead now, yeah, because in John 10, we know that Yeshua celebrated Hanukkah. Mm. Wow, that'll mess up your life. What is that all about? Now <laughs> but did he light the menorah? But let's let scripture interpret scripture. Let's look at this template, Ryan, because in, in Matthew 24, 15, here's what Yeshua says. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. There's coming a future abomination on the temple mount. Wow, yeah. So so I'm only sharing with you Matthew 24, 15, what Yeshua said, the words in red. Okay, this actually, this particular Greek word for abomination means a detestation or special idolatry, okay? Mm, yeah. So now... In Matthew 24, 15, Yeshua is referencing the prophecy found in Daniel 9, 27 in regards to the Antichrist. Now, so this time period, you know, so it was a prophecy in Daniel. That's absolutely true. Then it happened about 200 years before Jesus was born. That's right. And then now Yeshua is saying that it's going to happen again. Absolutely. Now, okay. right, for the sake of time, I mean, it's once again, we just can't get all of it in. You know, I think people need to, to really study it for themselves, but, but. I want to share this with you, that Yeshua predicts that the, the Hanukkah story will play out again. Now, I'm Which just means gonna, there's going to be a temple. Basically, what I want to do is show you this. Yeah. I'm not going to read the verses for the sake of time. Here it is. Look what Yeshua does. He says this in Matthew 24, 16. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. 
Geographically speaking, that's a prophecy. Yeah. A geographical prophecy. So the persecuted flee into the mountains. If you go back and study the Hanukkah story in the book of Maccabees, the persecuted flee into the mountains. First Maccabees 2.28. Hmm. When you flee, don't take your belongings. This is what Yeshua says. Matthew 24, verses 17 and 18, right? He says, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything, right? Out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Specific prophecy from Yeshua. Guess what? In 1 Maccabees 2.28, when you flee, don't take your belongings. Right there. He also says, Yeshua says in Matthew 24.20, pray that your flight is not on the Sabbath. Look at what he says in Matthew 24, 20. But wait, we don't keep the Sabbath. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. He's given you the answer. He says, pray that it's not in the winter and it's not on a Sabbath. Find it interesting that Antiochus would fight them on the Sabbath. Amen. He would fight them on the Sabbath. Amen. Yeah. So, so he's telling so, you it's going to be in the winter on I the mean, Sabbath? This is incredible, Ryan. He's giving you the answer to because Hanukkah happens in the winter. Yeah, it does. But see, Antiochus, you know, his men, the Greco-Syrian soldiers would fight the Jews on Sabbath and the Jews wouldn't fight. And they realized that they had to fight on the Sabbath. So they rose up and they finally began to fight. Now, Yeshua goes on to say in Matthew 24, 19, pray that you do not have a young child of circumcision age. And Matthew 24, 19 says, and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. Okay, so once again, in the reference to small children, in the book of Maccabees, chapter 1, verses 60 and 61, pray that you do not have a young child of circumcision age. Uh, women who had their, had their children circumcised were put to death in keeping with the decree. Wow, so if you practice circumcision on your sons, you were found out, you were killed. You were, you, you were take, your life was taken from you. And your kid was So gone. we have to understand that the future Antichrist will pick up where Antiochus left off, Ryan. We're looking at Daniel eleven thirty six through 45, okay? Daniel eleven thirty six through 45. And the reference here, of course, is, is this son of perdition. So what happens in, in regard to this, this verse that's going to come out of nowhere out of the darkness? It says right here in Daniel eleven thirty six. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done. Mm. His will. See, he's the, he's the son of perdition, okay? And, and, and we know uh, in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14, we have the five I wills from Lucifer. Oh, Satan's going to do this. I will, I will, I will, I will. And, and I don't want to go over the five I wills, but the one I will. <laughs> go over. Check this out. The third I will, this is what Lucifer says. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. Brian, that's a reference to the Temple Mount. Yeah, it is. He wants to sit in the Temple Mount. Okay. And so and so as we move ahead and we look at the son of perdition, okay, we can see something very, very interesting. And I'm going to read this verse to you. It's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Antichrist, the son of perdition. Here is the son of Satan. Paul is reminding the church, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except, what? There come a falling away first. Mm -hmm. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition 
who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Ryan, the scriptures are very clear yeah. that there's going to be a temple on the temple mount. Well, and this Antichrist, the son of perdition, he is going to sit in it. Well, so think about how exciting the times we live in are, right? So just this past week, uh, President Donald Trump uh, made an announcement that we're recognizing uh, the the Jerusalem is what it is, the, the capital of Israel, right? And we have these prophecies that we know are going to come to pass that have to do with Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, a temple being built, right? And so if, if Israel were to exercise sovereignty uh, over the Temple Mount and over all of Jerusalem, we know that not very far after that is going to come the building of a, of a third temple. And even Yeshua talks about here in Matthew 24, he talks about uh, after, you know, the abomination of desolation and, and fleeing uh, from Judea and the, the great tribulation will come. But then he says here in verse 24, uh, after all of these things, he says, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. So it's interesting that Yeshua is saying that after all of these things, look out for these events because um, because it's it's prophetic that this is going to happen and it's the signs that you're close to my second coming. And that's very oh, yeah. exciting because guess what? If these things are happening in our generation, I mean, what? I mean, look well, yeah. up because your redemption draweth nigh. Well, Amen. President Trump announced Jerusalem as the capital of Israel in the month of Kislev, right before Hanukkah. Well, and so I heard that uh, the 19th of Kislev was, uh, 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 I guess, an Orthodox holiday of the day that uh, the Rebbe um, uh, Menachem Schneerson got out of prison. I guess they had uh, put him in prison for sending money to the the Israel to Israel while it was under the Ottoman Empire. Anyways, there's a whole holiday that is around an interesting it. Story, that he man. was released on the 19th of Kislev, and that the 19th of Kislev is the day that uh, Jerusalem was declared by the United States as the as the. So uh, as we look as we look ahead, we can say, "Wow, if Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, what do we have to look forward to uh, as far as prophecies go?" Well, you know, uh, we can even look at uh, you, there's a there's a possibility of a of a temple being uh, rebuilt up on the temple. Mount. And so uh, the good news is, and, and we shared about how the son of perdition is going to sit in the temple to, 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 to be as God. But in 2 Thessalonians 2.8, a few verses down, let's just remind everyone uh, what Yeshua is going to do. Yeshua says, uh, I mean, I mean, this is actually a fulfillment. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. That is good news, Ryan. That is good news. Now, in closing, you know, that is a very good news. In closing here, we would just like to share with our listeners uh, just uh, basically four Hanukkah traditions that are practiced among the Jewish people. And uh, even here at Beit Tehillah, we like to, to practice these and do them and, and participate. It's, 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 there's no harm done. but uh, Because we, they're fun. <laughs> well, we have a Hanukkah, which is, of course, a nine-branch menorah. Uh, why is it nine branches? Because supposedly the oil lasted for eight nights, and then you have the Shamish candle, and you'll have nine. Now, the traditional menorah is seven branches. This particular uh, menorah is called a Hanukkah, and it's uh, it has nine branches. One is the Shamish, and then one uh, actually... Um 
you actually have uh, eight stems there to put your candles on. Uh, so that's how we get the Hanukkah and lighting the Hanukkah is every night. So Hanukkah is not celebrated for eight days, but for eight nights. Uh, the next thing you have as a customer's tradition is the dreidel. It has four Hebrew letters on it, and you spin the dreidel, and whatever Hebrew letter uh, falls, that's what you get. There's actually a, uh, um, a method to that, and uh, you can actually... Uh, you know, uh, play the dreidel game. And the, the story behind the dreidel was that uh, they were forbidden to have Torah studies or, or to talk about the Torah or to do anything like that. And so they would play this dreidel game or get in little groups and really be talking about the Torah. And so when a Greco-Syrian soldier would walk by, he would see them actually uh, playing a game. Uh, so they, they, they found a way to get around that. Uh, of course, uh, we also have the, uh, uh, there were special coins that were minted to celebrate the Maccabean success and the victory of the rededication of the temple and everything. So it's special coins minted out. Uh, and so we call that chocolate gelt today. G-E-L-T, chocolate gelt. So these are these are coins wrapped in tinfoil that look like coins, and it's really chocolate inside. And there's and no guilt in gelt. There is no guilt in gelt. Uh, just remember, living in Florida, please do not leave your gelt on the dash of your car. And the next one we're going to talk about is my favorite my And what, favorite is that, what is it, Ryan? My favorite tradition is that because the, the, the story of Hanukkah and the miracle that happened is centered around the oil lasting for eight nights, we try to do everything we can with oil. And uh, that includes eating fried food, potato pancakes called lockies, uh, you know, jelly donuts, or just regular donuts. Whatever you want, if you can fry it, I mean, just dip your Snickers in some batter and fry wow. it. I mean, it's like fair this food. This is a man's holiday. It, it really is. It really is. And, uh, you know, the, I guess the, the trouble here is if you eat fried food all year long, then maybe you're not that excited about this holiday. But if you eat healthy because you're taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know, all year long, then, then, a, then yeah. this is an exciting holiday. Lots it's of stomach more aches. Pleasurable. But, but, really an enjoyable time. And you know, Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for dedication, Ryan. Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for dedication. And we have to ask ourselves, once again, a very personal and important question. And what is that? What are you dedicated to? That's right. Man, I didn't even read it. You were showing me. What are you I dedicated anyway. to? What are you dedicated to? You know, what to? are you dedicated to? Guess what? We're de dedicated to the truth of God's word by his spirit. Amen. And the restoration, the regathering of the whole house of Israel. So we want to wish all of you uh, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah. And uh, I'm going to let Ryan close us out. Well, that's it, folks. You guys heard it. Uh, Hanukkah is relevant for today. One of the great things about the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith and celebrating the feasts and, and celebrating holidays that have biblical significance to them that you can find in the Bible or in the Apocrypha in this case is that uh, there's a lot of uh, fullness and richness to it that you could share with your family and your kids and that uh, you really feel like that when you celebrate these things that you're on uh, God's team and doing God's things and uh, doing Bible things in Bible ways. I just love it. So uh, you guys have a, a blessed week. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Hopefully you guys are all uh, celebrating. If you're celebrating for the first time and you have questions uh, or you uh, want to get some information or you need resources or anything like that, please, please contact us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at topraise.net. Uh, you can call the office at 813-654-2222. Uh, as always, we live stream our services. So Wednesday night tonight uh, might be live streamed. And then uh, Saturday will definitely be live streamed. So if you go to our website at topraise.net, uh, you can watch our services live and you can join in on the fun with us. And, uh, and you know, make sure you send a message because Pastor Russell would love to hear from you. He loves to chat uh, with the folks that are watching online. And he lets us know uh, about you guys. And we pray for you when we have our, our prayer services on Monday. So, uh, you know, please be in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and God bless. God bless.